questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. There were till then left the race of giants, who had bodies so large and countenances so entirely different from other men that they were surprising to the sight and terrible to the hearing. The bones of these men are still shown to this very day, unlike to any credible relations of other men. Those were the words from Flavius Josephus, 93 AD. Over a 200-year period, thousands of newspaper reports, town and country histories, letters, photos, diaries, and scientific journals have documented the existence of an ancient race of giants in North America. Extremely tall skeletons, ranging from 7 feet up to a staggering 18 feet tall, have been reportedly uncovered in prehistoric mounds, burial chambers, caves, geometric earthworks, and ancient battlefields. Strange anatomic anomalies, such as double rows of teeth, horned skulls, massive jaws, that fit over a modern face, and elongated skulls have also been reported. Many of these discoveries were sent to the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C., seemingly never to be heard about again. The Smithsonian's own records describe at least 17 giant skeletons in annual reports. Tonight, we'll examine a possible cover-up initiated by Smithsonian scientists starting in the late 1800s. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button. Join me on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Now, to tell us more, tonight's special guest is Jim Vieira, a stonemason, researcher, and writer as well as explorer and writer about the Stones sites of New England, he has written for Ancient American Magazine, The Heretic, and local newspapers. In 2012, he created the online blog The Daily Giant that showcased a giant report every day for nearly two years. He controversially had his TEDx talk removed from the Internet, much like Graham Hancock and Rupert Sheldrake. He is the star of the History Channel TV shows Search for the Lost Giants and Roanoke, search for the lost colony with his brother Bill. Jim Vieira joins us directly from Ashfield, Massachusetts. Hello, Jim, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Mel, how you doing? Uh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. That was a long intro because I think it's well-deserved. As I mentioned before, I've been trying to just conduct an interview to talk about giants because this is this seems to be a chapter or a big portion of our history that seems, at least to my perspective, been hidden from us. Why do you think that is, Jim? Uh, yeah, that's um, after all these years, uh, I've come around to believe it's it's uh, that giants are part of human history and the and the story of humanity, <clears throat> the story of our civilization. Um, at first, I would make the case it's worthy of further investigation, and I know you just read our book, and I think um, you, you would agree with that conclusion. Uh, you know, I can point to um, racist paradigms in the late 1800s when archaeology and anthropology were formed. Um, um, 
you know, there, there's a lot of, of belief and conspiracy around these issues. I, I tend to not get too heavily into the idea of academic conspiracy. I, I'd rather see like agenda and the human ego as conspiracy or the problem, if you will. Um, giants are viewed as a religious idea, just like the great flood and, and um, other things you find in the Bible, the supernatural, if you will. But now we have new science that is essentially proven 12,800 years ago. There was a massive cataclysm and flood in the United States and in North America called the Younger Dryas Impact uh, event. So I think it's, it's um, you know, size that are drawn and, and agendas and, and people are really slow to change. And science is very uh, slow to change as well. And a lot of, as you know, from, you know, talking to other um um, specialists in different alternative fields that it, the, when something doesn't fit the current paradigm, it's just left on the margins until eventually the evidence builds and things shift, like the Clovis barrier, the idea that nobody entered the United States or North America before 13,000 years ago. That's been overturned. Out of Africa has been overturned. We have Denise Vins and Hobbits showing up uh, recently. So, you know, that's kind of a long way winded way of trying to answer your question. I would just say that. But but, you know, I don't want to dismiss this idea of some some active cover up, at least at the institutional level. I, I you know, I work with professionals and professional digs. I'm friends with many scientists, but I, I don't trust institutions or corporations as far as I can throw them. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll definitely um, be open to some idea of conspiracy as well. Of course, I understand that. And what you said is so true. When you talk about giants, mostly religious people will say, oh, Goliath. That's what they talk about. That's it. But at the beginning of the book, you write, to all indigenous Americans, ancient and modern, the legends are true. What do you mean by that? One of the um, the persons, uh, the researchers who got us interested in this was Ross Hamilton, now, Ross is well known for being uh, the godfather of giantology. He worked with Vine Deloria, a well-known academic and Lakota Sioux elder who fought for uh, rights of native peoples for years. Um, and, and Vine got together all the elders of all the tribes in the United States in the late 90s and had a conference in Washington state. And the elders, they shared their indigenous oral traditions of, of both giants and little people. and um, you know, I really feel that, uh, you know, I'm willing to go anywhere for good stories. So I sit with wisdom keepers. I've done ayahuasca ceremonies um, and, and, and deal with shamans and, and, and uh, you know, mystics all the time. And I basically hear a different story, and one from people with, with a long lineage, um, with a lot of integrity. Now, in the West, we tend to look at science in a different way. It's it's kind of um, a male-dominated left-brain approach that's a stack of data sheets. That's useful, certainly. But it's like going to the doctor, and if you want your appendix out, you know, it's really good to have the doctor there. But, you know, uh, it's the best place to die <laughs> is the uh, operating room as well, that there's not a holistic approach to medicine. There's not a lot of holistic approach to uh, the sciences, frankly. So archaeology and anthropology are, are um, you know, littered with that kind of um, orientation that, that's very narrow. So indigenous people, uh, to me, not just in the United States, but around the world, have talked of giants um, for eons. And um, I just find that it's it's a story that is in the collective unconscious um, 
uh, in con- consciousness of humanity for a reason. And uh, it's inescapable. It just it's a part of our history. And I'm, I'm glad to you know give the evidence and articulate what I mean by that. Certainly. And do you consider yourself now a giantologist? I, I really feel like uh, if you hook me up to the lie detector machine, I would say, <laughs> uh, yes, that I do believe that, you know, giants are uh, a part of our history. And I believe that the general themes like a lost world, lost continents, say in Atlantis, if you will, uh, giants and little people uh, – like the these ancient androgynous gods, the idea that humans were uh, genetically engineered, quite frankly, um, by a different species. I think that those general three, uh, themes are accurate. Nobody has a time machine, so we all try to work on the details. But I really feel, you know, and which is a good uh, time to segue into uh, the Rosicrucians, Freemasons, Theosophists. Rudolf Steiner, Edgar Cayce, the great mystics, religious documents, and oral traditions from all around the planet all talk about giants as a reality. So the strange and specific nature of, of these um, things that are being promulgated by all these disparate sources throughout eons uh, of time in different locations really lends credibility to this idea mixed with, as we talk about in the, um, um, in the book, just sober – Anatomical measurements of a stationary object, a human skeleton, over and over again by heads of anthropology and archaeology departments, by sober scientists throughout 150, 200 years, uh, testifies to a different story. Definitely. And before I continue, let me, I'm just curious, because to me, I really never followed giants until 2011, about seven years ago. One of our listeners, his father is from Iran, and I sent you... An email before we started. Maybe you haven't read it yet, but apparently there was an area in southern Iran that was hit by an earthquake in 2010 or 2011. And apparently after the earthquake, a lot of wind came through the town and it basically unburied this city. And they found dozens and dozens of skeletons. Probably the, the shortest one was 10 feet tall and mostly were women. And I have an explanation that I'm going to add uh, to uh, to this interview at the end of the show. Uh, it's in Farsi, but we translated it into English. Very interesting story. But to you, when did this happen for you, the eureka moment where you said, I have to look into giants because it's not fairy tale after all? Uh, when I was, um, say, it was probably like 15 years ago now, I was uh, investigating the idea of Native American stonework in New England, being a stonemason myself. And my brother and I started to find odd structures in the in the woods that didn't look colonial. They certainly looked Native American, like stone turtles and serpents and uh, mounds and chambers. And I looked into um, the idea that the colonists showed up and reported Native American stone ruins by virtue of reading town and county histories. And, and I found many accounts like strange stone fort, Indian fence, uh, things like that, that the colonists reported. But I also found uh, the first account I found in Deerfield, Massachusetts, was of an eight-foot skeleton with uh, a head as big as a peck basket and double rows of teeth all around, reported by George Sheldon, who was a luminary around here. He he, um, uh, started the prestigious Deerfield Academy and created the museum. And it was analyzed by Dr. Stephen Williams, who taught anatomy at Berkshire College and came from a lineage of uh, um, doctors. 
And I found out that Sheldon had the femur bone of an over eight foot skeleton shipped to him from Marion, Ohio. And I started to uncover all these different accounts in New England of seven, eight and tall skeletons. So I went to the museum in Deerfield and I said, did you know that um, George Sheldon reported an eight foot skeleton with double rows of teeth? And the guy said, no, the curator, he said, uh, let me get his archaeological scrapbook for you. And I, I looked at it. And I got that Eureka moment. It was like the Da Vinci Code. It just something lit up, and I knew what I was going to find. So I open up the pages, and I see reports about mound builders and native civilizations and cultures. And littered uh, in his scrapbook was these accounts of giant skeletons. And he had such an interest. Once again, he had this thigh bone shipped to his museum that was on display until the uh, 1990 when the Native American Repatriation Act demanded that all bones got, get put back in the ground. And I am friends with the anthropologist who reinterred that thigh bone that was once on display of an over eight foot tall skeleton. So obviously this thrust me into the arena of like, you know, double rows of teeth, skeletons reported and measured by um, um, respected individuals. This is not a subjective thing. It's a measurement, once again, of a stationary object. That's what catches my attention. It isn't like, oh, do we believe this guy or not? It's more like, yeah, can you work a tape measure? Interesting. What you just said about the Repatriation Act, let me just say this. Let's say you and I were to conduct an excavation and found the skeleton of a giant. Will that giant be considered, would it be considered a Native American? And if so, it will be repatriated according to, again, NACPRA, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act of 1990. They would be buried according to Native American customs as opposed to being taken over by, say, a museum. Is this correct? Yes, yes. And obviously this is a very touchy issue. And I, I, I certainly understand um, the you know that <clears throat> Native people don't want their um, ancestors' remains to um, mess with it all. But it, it poses problems um, – like uh, near the Columbia River in Washington State, a couple of years back, they found Kennewick Man, which is a 9,000-year-old skeleton. And it really has features that are either Caucasoid or they, they call them Anu, like this indigenous Japanese people. They wondered really what um, what kind of skeleton this, this was, what kind of person it was. And there was a long legal battle. And actually, the Smithsonian uh, – eventually tested the skeleton and found it was a, a distant relative of, of modern-day Native Americans. Um, but the, the point is that there is um, a lot of these mounds and places have, go have been gone through, and the evidence was kind of hidden in plain sight because it was ignored by science. You know, so I'm hopeful that if uh, something comes together, you know, like you bring in Native American people and tribes and scientists and you work together to try to solve the problem. But this might be solved on the Solomon Islands or some, you know, non-Madal or, or some place where giants have been reported. And there's a grave uh, that you can uh, excavate with without all the legal hurdles. So I'm not like pushing too hard. I understand the Native American perspective. Lots of this has been um, – lots of their ancient uh, sites have been desecrated. But it's this kind of odd catch-22 where, you know, if it was 150 years ago and everybody was opening up the ancient burial mounds, there'd be no controversy here. Like, it'd be laid out on the table, if you will. But now it leaves us with this conundrum of, of, um, of trying to um, prove, you know, that this is reality.
I have to the parapolitical researcher in me, and to some people this may be a conspiracy theorist in me, says this. Could this 1990 Repatriation Act be as a way to hide the truth? Also, in how do we know these bones belong to a native tribe? Is it just because the skeletons predate Columbus's arrival to the New World? Well, the, the idea is that, you know, science uh, admits or, or doesn't admit that there was anybody in the Americas before 13,000 years ago, although that's been overturned recently by a series of new finds like the Galt site in Texas. Now we have um, artifacts and remains that have been dated to about 22, 23,000 years ago. Um, so you have a situation where it wasn't even considered possible that there was anybody but Native Americans here. But there's two stories going on here, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Excuse me. One is this anthropological mystery that why were there so many seven and eight foot tall Native American rulers buried in burial mounds, especially in the eastern half of the United States? Now, it looks like ancient America was more of a melting pot than we think, where flood survivors came, just like the strange Olmec people showed up around 2000 BC. That that ancient America was probably more of a melting pot, more like the the, the mystic Edgar Casey talked about. But then there's another story, not just like these these benevolent uh, rulers of native society, the shamans and the wisdom keepers. There's also the native tales of a malevolent race of giants. Uh, portrayed as cannibalistic and red-haired sometimes. Uh, people are pretty familiar with the Lovelock Cave story and Sarah Winnemucca, the, na- the Paiute um, native who told us uh, the oral traditions of her people in this ancient war. So I think, you know, a- as you see in the book, there are accounts of something that appears distinctly non-native. The anatomic anomalies, the the utter enormous height of some of the skeletons, the the burial context and the um, assemblage of artifacts speak to, to something else, um, and not just in the United States, but in other places. So there are two parallel stories right here, and it is difficult to discern from a scientific viewpoint like, oh, you know, we don't really believe this, that the people in the Americas took place in this way, so we're not going to give any credence to the idea that these are non-native remains sometimes. So, you know, we, we have a, um, a challenging situation. Uh, and for me as a researcher, I, I tend to look, you know, like in Sonora, Mexico or isolated Pacific Islands or other places for evidence uh, and, and just kind of um, let things rest in the United States for the time being. You're going to have to tell me some of those locations in Sonora because I drive through Sonora all the time. And I didn't know that there were, you know, giant findings there. But I'm sure well, you've heard. OK, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say in the book, there's the chapter, The Lost Giants of Sonora, and that was one of the episodes in our show. And we met with Carlos Hayes, the son of Paxson Hayes, the explorer. And in the we have the original press release photos in the 30s from Sonora of the seven and a half foot bundle burial of a giant skull that uh, a mummified head in a huge gourd that Paxson Hayes, the explorer, is holding. And he has a picture that we presented too of the lost city of giants. And it looks like a set from star Wars. Now somewhere in that hundred mile um, square mile land of Sonora in the North is the lost city of giants. And Carlos Hayes, the son said that uh, he would take us there and lead an expedition. But when we were filming, there was a lot of um, 
travel warnings because there's a lot of like narco terrorism stuff goes yeah. on there. Um, so we didn't go, but that that uh, in the chapter is all the information uh, that you might f- find interesting. Interesting, yes, and and also I'm sure you you mentioned that. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.